back ladies and gentlemen to the high button podcast i'm your host justin belanger today's episode of the high button podcast is brought to you by prolinestadium.com atlantic canada's home field for great sports betting step into the octagon with the latest pro line offer all right you can earn up to 50 dollars in free play by getting on combat sports spend 20 dollars or more on a single pro line wager which includes at least one combat sporting event at prolinestadium.com between february 13th and march 7th and you'll receive a five dollar token that can be used on any sport on pro line fantasies futures or stadium bets a total of 10 tokens can be earned and must be used by march 31st bet on pro line all season long at prolinestadium.com or download the alc app please play responsibly must be 19 years of age or older What's going on, folks? We are here in the High Button Sports Studio, Halifax, Nova Scotia, on a beautiful Tuesday. We're here. Uh, we're in the thick of it. Golf season's around the corner. It's officially it's a, it's officially tournament Atlantic Provincials March break season. And we all know what that means. We mean that means it's the Joe Lamont Tang. Let's not sit here and pretend like we don't know what it means. It means it's the Joe Lamont Tang season. Uh, and today we have two great guests that uh, represent the Joe Lamont Tang well. One, Joe DePenta, played in the NHL uh, for the Atlanta Thrashers as well. Won a Stanley Cup with the Anaheim Ducks. Comes from Cole Harbor, played in the Joe Lamont Tang tournament, was drafted by Florida. In the third round back in 1998, played at Boston University as well, uh, and an overall Cole Harbor legend when it comes to the game of hockey and sports in general. As well, we have Jeff McPhee, the president chairman of the Joe Lamont Tang tournament. If you did not know, it is the 40th anniversary of the Joe Lamont Tang tournament happening this year uh, in Cole Harbor, Nova Scotia. Pretty special. It's a big accomplishment for a tournament to last for uh, the past 40 years and have some of the historic names that have come through that tournament uh, puts an even bigger feather on their cap. So we're going to talk to Jeff uh, about the upcoming tournament, things that we can look forward to. We're going to talk to Joe about his hockey career and things that he went through uh, as a pro player and some of the lessons that he learned from back in the day when he was a minor hockey league player uh, playing in the Joe Lamont Tang when he was a kid and some of the lessons that he learned. So it's going to be a great episode, all right? I'm Justin. We're talking to Joe. We're talking to Jeff. It's going to be a great episode, all right? Hi, Button. Here we go. You know what comes next. All right, gentlemen, we're going 8.30 in the morning. Joe DePinta, Jeff McPhee, Cole Harbor Legends, Cole Harbor Legend uh, tournament coming up. I'm happy to have uh, both you gentlemen here. Thank you very much for joining the High Button Podcast. How is everyone? It's great. Thanks for having us. I feel like not everyone has their full coffee in me yet, in them yet so it's still a little early to get uh, to get the conversation going, but I'm going to do my best here. 
All right. Where do you want to start? Do you want to, you know, let's, I guess, talk about the, the tournament coming up, the Joe Lamont Tang 40th anniversary. You played in it. You're from Cole Harbor. Uh, Jeff McPhee, to my left, is organizing it a week before. Um, it's exciting times. It's nervous uh, uh, times. But I, I, we'll start with Joe. Growing up in Cole Harbor, um, some early memories that you have uh, coming up from that community. I can remember when Scotia Arena was the, the the rink we played in. That was before Cole Harbor Place existed. And then coming back the next year for, for hockey season, and all of a sudden it was Scotia Arena was part of this bigger facility. And it was so cool. I remember being like on the ice at Scotia 2 for the very first time and playing. I think we got beat like 6 nothing by a, a PEI team and got smoked. And it was our uh, not we were a novice, uh, you know, t- novice A team, which was the equivalent to AAA these days, and we kept score back then. <laughs> and, um, and it was just like we we uh, that was early in the year, and by the end of the year, we were winning winning all the tournaments, and it was just fun to be part of that community and 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 going to the Joe and and winning the Joe every year. We won the Joe every. I think we lost in the, we got I got one silver medal at the Joe, and the rest are all gold medals. So I'm proud proud of uh, proud of that fact. <laughs> that's good stuff was the joe the big tournament always every year going okay boys joe's coming it's in our backyard let's go i think because it was our home home tournament and there were so many cool harbor teams in it you just felt a lot of pride that you, we wanted to win that event and it was a point of pride that we wanted to win our own tournament and the only only time we lost was in the finals i remember it was a heartbreaker and the rest of the time we, we pulled it off but it was i wouldn't say it was the biggest tournament but it was one we took a lot of pride in the biggest tournament was always winning provincials yeah and, and being the, the best team at the end of the year, winning the last game of the season. But the Joe was also – we didn't want to lose that one because that was that was our tournament. Well, growing up in Cole Harbor, now today you obviously think of guys like yourself, Sid, Nate, and it's this you know hub in Canada where it's some of the greatest hockey players in the world come from. But back then, before uh, these names were about, what was Cole Harbor and, and the Cole Harbor minor hockey known for? That's a great question. What were we known for? I guess what style of play? What uh, what was the identity of the organization? Because the identity set now. I think the identity that I experienced was this culture of winning. Mm-hmm. We we expected to win, and that was instilled in me from my first year as a novice. That the teams we played on, and I think it was the leadership and the organization, Phil Harrett, uh, George Gallant, my coaches uh, Joe. Uh, Joe, Joey Mullane, uh, Paul Mason, like all of my coaches growing up, Dennis Irwin, like we had this, we had this mentality that we expected to win every game, and we, in order to do that, we knew that we had to to play like champions, and that's that's not easy. Like you had to be humble and and not take teams lightly, and play from your heart, and and work harder than the other teams, and we practice harder than the other teams. So there was a culture of winning where we expected to win and there was no we didn't like finishing second was devastating okay so when you hear these stories jeff about the culture back of cole harbor minor hockey back in the day and today Mm. this week you know the past six months the past year whatever it's been of organizing the 40th anniversary of the joe lamont tang how much pride do you take in that knowing that the history's there yeah it's incredible right the tagline of the tournament is history and tradition and it's really where we've found it from and have came from and you know to have greats like joe sid nate cam russell all been part of the cole harbor minor hockey organization and come up through you know to really exemplify 
always that winning attitude, that winning culture. I was in an executive meeting with the Cole Harbor Minor Hockey Executive a couple weeks back, and one of the things we were talking about is the success of the teams this year and that we are having a high winning percentage, like probably one of the best winning percentages that we've had in the past five years overall as an association. And just the pride in that and feeling that as we come into the Joe, we have an opportunity to be awarding banners to our hometown teams. And that's exciting. Is it nice that knowing like guys like Joe give back and, and they're here representing, you know, yourself, but as well as the Joe and Cole Harbor in general, is it nice knowing that these guys are, are giving back? I know you said Cam gave ice to you guys a couple of years ago or something like that. Yeah, yeah, it, exactly. We were short on uh, some ice for the tournament uh, last year and uh, Cam helped us out uh, with uh, the Mooseheads ice that they had booked in uh, RBC Center on Pad C, they were on the road, so they weren't going to be using the ice and just graciously said, yeah, you know, here you go, no issue, no problem. Like, you know, do you want us to get us that transferred over to our contract? He's like, you know, just like, forget about that. Like, it, it's taken care of. It's okay. It's an hour worth of ice. That's we're, awesome. We're okay. It, it's great. You know, I, I was just in uh, Quebec with my young fella for uh, the BSR tournament in Levi, Quebec, and, uh, you know, Sid sent a message to the kids. No way. Heading into uh, the Crosby Cup game, and just you could hear the emotion of me talking about it just the fact that he took the time out of his day in a busy nhl schedule to send a message to a group of 13 year olds is incredible yeah that's awesome and and you know it, it coming up and you know having that pride of cole harbor on your back and moving into the real world boston university was that scary at first going from cole harbor to the big city of, of boston yeah I, I i found it a really difficult transition when i was 16 yeah and I lived in a dorm room with uh, a roommate, going from a, my family, comfortable family home, at 16 years old. And I, the only way to communicate with my mom and dad and my sisters was through a payphone in the basement. <laughs> it was before they had uh, iPads and FaceTime and all that. So it was a, a big culture shift too to to live in a dorm mm-hmm. with all all boys and go to a prep school. And it was it was a big shift. Only played 30 games that season as opposed to you know, over 50 or 60 or 70 when you play in in the minor leagues around here. And so it was, it was a really big transition. I didn't have a great season uh, going down there and, and I didn't get a lot of attention from the college coach like I was hoping for. So it was a really hard year. And then um, uh, in the summer, I turned things around and, and decided to make a shift and go play junior A in Ontario, live with a family. And it was a much better fit for me. And I was able to um, uh, get, get, get my, uh, career back on track, so to speak, and then got my got my uh, scholarship to Boston University after that season. Would you consider yourself a late bloomer in the timeline of your hockey career, or no? No, I think it was just a. I had like a I, that season was just an off season for me. I was homesick a lot, okay, and missed home, yeah. and I didn't. The culture of the Boston culture isn't a good fit for me. I'm not a. It's it's a different culture, and I just realized that actually playing at Boston University. I don't know why I went there after again after I had the experience at prep school. It was a good school. It's an amazing school, and the program's phenomenal. But it's just the culture isn't isn't my preferred culture down in the states. There's so many different types of cultures, and I could have gone to a different school, any school I wanted. I probably would have done it over. I would have went to a different school. Um, not that I didn't have great experience, and I'm not talking bad about BU. It's just a a fit fit for me. My my. My personality is not as um, aggressive as probably like 
the norm the norm is in Boston, and so it was it was a it was a difficult it was good good lots of growth learning you know? experience yeah because then you come home and you rip it up in the queue playing for the Halifax Mooseheads <laughs> you know yeah. did you get to go were you back at your parents' place I did I, so I got I would... to play at home and so I got to relive kind of the years I lost uh, from high school and be with friends and play for the Mooseheads so I had a, yeah it was it was a lot of fun playing for the Mooseheads for sure Memorial Cup year some of the most iconic names in the Halifax Mooseheads organization played on that team. Yeah, you know, that's right. It's just unbelievable. You know, Brandon Benedict, Brandon Reed, Jules Eddie LaRock, who's still here with us. You know, just yeah. some of those names. That's back when I'm a kid. Yeah. You know, you guys are at Sobe signing autographs. That's that. Those are the days I remember. Yeah, yeah, lots of fun. I, I had lots of good experiences, like playing for the playing for the Mooseheads. I learned how to. Uh, I got into my first fight in the Mooseheads, and then uh, that's a whole story. But yeah, <laughs> this is kid friendly here. Yeah, 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 yeah. But the question that's going to be asked, Justin, is did you win? Did you win? No, I, I it's it's a it's a good story. I I was uh, first day of training camp, first game. I was in the lineup, and I'd never been in a fight because I played college hockey. And I'm a bit. I was a big kid. I was like 210 pounds, uh, pretty solid, like in good shape. Built like a fridge. Built like a fridge, and I I got I decided I wanted to get my first fight out of the way, and it was at Kolaira Place, so my home home ice. All my, comfortable. all my friends and family were there, like to cheer me on. And Moosehead's first time putting the jersey on is going on the ice. And the uh, I decided to to get into a fight. It just kind of happened, but I started it with uh, just some person I didn't even really know. And it happened to be Daryl Jarrett from Sackville. And so Sackville boys can fight, right? And I didn't know. Um, I didn't know. Yeah. How do you not know? And I didn't really know, like I didn't do, I didn't study the lineup or anything. And so I get into a fight and I threw the first punch without grabbing on. And that was a mistake. And then I was off balance the rest of the time. And uh, uh, after the game, I was pretty devastated. Um, and then the next day in the newspaper, the male star sports section front page said those hands weren't made for fighting. And it was my picture. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> what a welcome home moment. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> At Cole Harbor Place. At Cole Harbor Place in front of my fans. So then, was it preseason? It was preseason. Oh. And so the next night I was, I, this is how it came full circle. The next night I was, uh, they had another game cause it was tryouts for the team. And, and I wasn't in the lineup. And so I was in the stands watching it. And I was with a couple of my buddies who had been at the night before and saw the, saw the game. And I was sitting there next to a fan and the fan started to talk to me and he said, Oh yeah, the team looks pretty good this year. I'm like, yeah, they look pretty good. And he, I, I didn't, he didn't know I was a player. So he was just talking to me casually. And then he said, um, yeah, last night's game was a pretty good game. And I said, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And I didn't tell him I was a player. And he said, he said, yeah, that Depenta, he looks pretty good, but man, this, he can't fight you know, worth the damn. And my friends all looked at me like, and like, and, and then the guy looked at my friends and he goes, you're Depenta, aren't you? <laughs> and everyone burst out laughing. So it was a, we made light of the situation. It was a, it was a fun time. That's incredible. <laughs> but he had no idea who you were. That's unbelievable. You're just going along with it. Yeah, Depenta. Oh, you can't go. I don't know. You might get cut. I don't know. We'll see. That's crazy. What a treat though, to be at Cole Harbor, to have that game. Unfortunately, the fight didn't go your way, but like, you know, my home rink centennial, I'd never be able to play you know <laughs> yeah, that's, like, that's right. just that's that's what a treat yeah it, it is fun. it's a great barn like it's yeah. a, it's a it's a like the the painting up on the wall was that there back when you yeah was, has that been there forever it was there but, uh when they did the i think coal harbor place when they when they put coal harbor place in i don't believe it was there before 
Uh, they put it in uh, early in, like when Squire Replace kind of um, came around the the rink. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so it's been there ever since I was a kid, ever since I can remember. Wow. Yeah. Kids must love playing the tournament. Right kids, there. Right, kids you know, love playing in that tournament. It, you know, the, but you brought up the mural. And what's very cool about the mural is when you come into the barn on Saturday, take a moment to take a look at that mural and think that that mural was put up there probably, I'm going to say, late 80s, probably right, right around the right time frame, Joe. Yeah. And in that photo at that time, you have a black hockey player, you have a female hockey player. And you think of today's day and age of diversity, equity, and inclusion, and how forward-thinking that was at that time. Because, you know, not to be ignorant, but at that time, hockey was predominantly yeah. a white man's sport. Because Willie O'Ree had only came up not too long before that and was the first black hockey player in the NHL. Yeah, in the 80s they painted that. Yeah. Wow. I'm going to take a double look at that when I get there. That's crazy. Yeah. I, I, that's always just, you know, as a kid, those weird things that catch your eye. Like, oh, that's the painting. We're in Cole Harbor. This, that painting always just, you know, it was a weird thing with me. It's like, oh, I, I, that's the painting. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. But no, it's a great barn to play in. And then especially when you have iconic players coming up through it, it adds a little bit more flavor to it. Yeah. You know? for, for sure. It's just. Yeah. Like, we're excited for this year because last year with the tournament, we had spectator restrictions. We were only allowed to have, I think it was 100 people in Scotia 2. We were only allowed to have 200 people in Scotia 1. Um, most of our services at RBC were limited to, I think it was 75 people, with the exception of Pad C, that we were allowed 250, I think was the, the max that we were allowed there. Mm. So this year, with no restrictions, knock on wood, you know, the C word is behind us, um, or at least has evolved to a point that we're comfortable living with it, we can pack the stands. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think back to those Joe shootouts last year where we, we were, you know, pushing spectator limits by just having the players in the stands to support their teams. But for the parents and all the kids, et cetera, to be able to come out this year, mm. I can't wait to come into that building and feel that building absolutely vibrating uh, with uh, with excitement as the fans are uh, taking it all in. No, we can't wait to stream it. It's going to be awesome. We're yeah. looking forward to it. Yeah, no, we're we're super excited for it as well. I think uh, Saturday we'll, we'll get underway uh, – Pretty quickly with, uh, I think we got five and a half hours of shootouts to go on Saturday. Oh, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> From, we'll start off with the U18 doubles uh, early in the morning. And uh, then we'll go uh, U11, U13, U15A, U15 AA. Uh, we'll wrap up with, and uh, it's going to be a fun day on Saturday with uh, with all the Crosby shootouts. And you can catch it all on High Button Sports. We're not sure where we're going to stream it yet, but you will be able to watch it on High Button Sports YouTube or the website. We'll figure it out. Yeah, absolutely. Good Absolutely, stuff. yeah. And did uh, I'll ask the question? You ever have an opportunity to take part in the uh, Crosby shootout, or probably at the time it wasn't the Crosby shootout, but with the March break shootout uh, prior to uh, Sid uh, taking the naming rights on it? I did. I did it. I um, in my second year novice, I was I was in the shootout and I actually won won it. So that was did a, you? That That's was a awesome. big thrill. Yeah. Yeah, uh, back then I I could have my wrist shot. I could shoot over the heads of the goalies. So that was uh, it was a sure way. I probably scored ninety percent of the breakaways I had. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it was a lot of fun. Yeah, and yeah. I, I probably wouldn't win many shootouts anymore. But that was uh, back when I was eight eight years old. I had an advantage <laughs> over the other kids. So I was bigger and I could shoot the puck high. Yeah. 
<laughs> it's too bad you're not going to be here uh, next Thursday. We could put you in the uh, the coaches shootout and see how you do. Oh, neat. Yeah. 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 <laughs> if you if you if you're eliminated first, they give you a yellow shitty stick right behind Jeff. I don't know if you can see it, but I want oh, I, yes. I I was eliminated first last year. It's a yellow TPS grip. <laughs> it's good good pride to have. Yeah. Yeah. Being on the other side though, and, and having children now, and uh, watching you know kids go into tournaments, how how exciting is it? being a parent and knowing, Oh great. My kid gets to go compete from Thursday to Sunday and win something really special. How cool is it being on the other side? Yeah, it's, it is super cool. I, it, my favorite pastime is watching my daughter play hockey. I'm, I'm assistant coach with the team this year and we've played in one tournament in Moncton. Uh, they finished, uh, they lost in the semifinals in a shootout actually. And it was a ton of fun just to see the girls come together and play. And, um, and then we have, the provincials coming up the 23rd and 24th in Bedford of March, so we're looking forward to that. The girls just made made the final four teams to get into that over the weekend, so they had a big comeback win, three two down two one with like a few minutes to go, tied it up, and then got the game winning goal with like 50 seconds left to go. So so much fun, so much fun to see them experience winning and see them experience coming together as a team, playing their best. I love it. Yeah. That's some of my best memories was was going to tournaments in the hotels, uh, going to the big games, winning the games, and yeah, it's it's a fun to see it through their eyes now and see 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 them experience it. They must be excited also about the women's uh, team winning silver. That's historic uh, historic weekend for for Nova Scotia. That's incredible. Yeah, we we sent them a message uh, the day of and and sent it to them, wishing them good luck right before our game. So the girls thought that was pretty cool and. And then, of course, they get, got the big shout-out. They won that game and got the shout-out in Hockey Night in Canada. The goalie was from Nova Scotia was praised by Ron McLean and saying she made all these saves. They won 3-2 against Ontario. And so it was, it was, I played in Canada games, so Did you? I know how hard it is for a Nova Scotia team to play against those other provinces. Yeah. They play against Ontario, BC, Alberta. Like any of those other provinces, they all have like incredible players and so much more depth and so for a team Nova Scotia to go as far as they did it was just like blew my mind I thought wow how do they beat some of these these big uh, and especially because like they were in the semifinals it's not like they're surprising anybody like this is after they've already played the round robin and it's they're going for the gold trying to get in the gold medal game so that was very very impressive it's a feather in Nova Scotia's cap for sure this weekend it's big a lot of momentum in Nova Scotia hockey right now it's exciting it's yeah. a lot of it's a lot of fun to watch and it's a lot of fun to be a part of Every time we go to the Joe, at least last year, the first time we went and we got to see everything, the talent and everything come together. It was just, you know, we're in the rinks a lot. Jeff is too. But to be actual, you know, to be there for the full week and see the talent on the ice, it's great to see. It's awesome. Yeah, it, it's absolutely incredible. There's there's nothing better than, you know, walking in and, and seeing the action on the ice and, you know, the buzz in the crowd. People are talking about this kid or did you see that goal or did you see that hit and just – feeling an odor, you know, it's that close, intense battle and you're not even personally involved. You're not personally invested in that game, but all of a sudden you're just drawn into it because of the energy of the building. It's so fun to watch. And, you know, you're thinking of those kids and like, oh my God, like I couldn't imagine the nerves that they have right now and how they're persevering and pushing through this. And at the end of the day, like I remember being in Quebec with uh, Breton, my young fella, and he says, I said to him the, the morning of the championship game, I said, you nervous? He goes, no. I'm going to tie my skates just like any other day, Dad. And that was it. <laughs> I was like, 
All right. Yeah, a lot more on the line <laughs> for the parents up in the stands watching. Yeah, We're exactly. more nervous than the kids are. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. That championship game was a tough uh, tough loss to a team from Vary, France. But, uh, yeah, wow. yeah. It was uh, it was incredible uh, to watch and experience. And, uh, you know, they played a good game. They just didn't come out on the, the right side of the scoreboard, right? And that happens sometimes. Do those, do those nerves of uh, playing hockey carry over into pro sport? Um, yeah, in a good way. I think you learn how to control the nerves as you as you get older, and there's like a, a curve. If you get too far on one end, you don't play well, and if you're not ramped up enough, you're not. So you're always trying to find that kind of right at the top of the of the curve where you can you're nervous enough to get a top performance, and that's that's what you learn as a pro is like how to play do that every single game, and it's. Yeah, it becomes uh, it becomes like an art and a science, and you figure out what works. That's why guys have all these weird routines, and because uh, they know when they first started pro that their coach was on them because they would play one good game and then one bad game and then one good game, one bad game, and you're trying to create that consistency throughout your career and bring it every single night. And a guy like me who was a third line defenseman in the American Hockey League and in the NHL, I I knew that some games I wouldn't play unless I had a really strong game. And so I went through a lot of adversity just getting in and out of the lineup and trying to figure out how to stay in the lineup. So you start to play lots of games with yourself uh, mentally and trying to get up for games. And so, yeah, it's it's like you're a performer every single night. Even in practice, you're a performer. Like you have to to bring it in practice. My coach said to me in the Anaheim, he said, you are a player that needs to prove yourself every single practice every time you're on the ice and at every game. Otherwise, we're going to send you to the minors. So your job is to set the bar for guys like in the weight room, uh, guys like Perry and Getzlaff, so they know where the weight room is and showing them what how you got to work out after practice and and, and showing and like creating a culture here of winning um, on the team and that you need to lead by example. And that, that's, what he, that's what he instilled in me. And so every practice, I needed to bring it and show, show the other guys that I belong there and that that's, I was, I was going to work as hard yeah, and so that was that's how I became. Um, I, I think that was the peak of my career was in Anaheim. That my, that my very first year that was the best hockey I played um, in my career. And then after that, it's you start to lose a step a little bit, and yeah, before you know it, it's it's behind you. But that's just the way it goes. I got to ask a question about Atlanta. Your first three games played, you had two points, and then you got sent down after. That's an amazing accomplishment to start your NHL career. Two points in three games as a defenseman, and then you got sent down. Why'd you get sent down? Well, it was uh, maybe uh, it was misleading, but it was the last three games of the season. Oh, so. yeah. So oh, okay, I, okay. Yeah, it was it was an incredible run, and if the season had ended, I for sure would have stayed for longer because I was playing really, really well. And then it was the last games of the year, and I, I, I yeah, that was it. So, uh, but yeah, I had a. My my second my first game I think I was uh, it was I was even had 17 minutes in Buffalo and then we went to to Long Island and played a few days later and in this my very first shift in my second game I the puck just seized parted the puck came from the corner I think Danny Heatley passed it out from the corner trying to hit the uh, the 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 other forward in front and their defense and pinched on him and it went right between right behind that defenseman right out to the right point and I walked right in like with nobody untouched and just had a clear shot on, on the goalie um, and just put it top corner right over his glove. And it was just like an amazing shot. And I was just the adrenaline's going, and I thought, oh, my, I can't believe I just scored a goal in the NHL. <laughs> 
It was a pretty pretty cool moment. And then in that same period, the rape, we were killing a penalty. I was out killing a penalty, and I poke checked a guy who was coming down on me one on one, and it went right out to like the far blue line. And Kovalchuk just was so much faster than anyone else on the ice. He just went down, grabbed the puck, and scored a goal. And I thought, got two points in one period. <laughs> this, this league is easy. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. What, what was the first game like in the NHL? Do you have a story? Was it like a quick flight somewhere? Right, get your kid, your gear on, kid, get out there? Or was it like planned? Um, I, I got the call the day before. I had to go to Buffalo. So I, I remember going to get my stuff packed, calling my parents on the way way to my apartment to pack my stuff and it was into had a flight to buffalo got in the day before the next day remember pregame skate i was very 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 nervous and the i remember the coach just pulled me aside and um hartley coach hartley pulled me aside and just said you're gonna be doing what every kid in canada dreams of doing go out there and have fun and he gave me good advice and he said you're just you know live enjoy the moment and I think it's probably a speech he gives to every, you know, player going play the first game. And but it helped me. And then I was I had a really good game. Yeah, I played 17 minutes, solid. Oh yeah. Yeah, no no goals against. And that was what I was aiming for. My dad flew to the game, and saw it. And then um, yeah, it was it was it was a it was a big moment for sure. But so much it's so like so much pressure, so much emotion. You've waited that long uh, to, to play and you, and you finally make it. You think, wow, my life is going to be set now. I played an NHL game. That's what you think, but yeah. <laughs> we cut the ring. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get to that. <laughs> Blinging. It's brighter in here because of it. Um, you know, I, I guess all the pressures and things playing in the NHL, Brad Marshall, I remember Brad Marshall put out an Instagram video the other day. It was like, pretend every day even when you're playing minor hockey like you're in the nhl and then maybe you might not make the nhl but at least it'll set give you a a, a a step closer to the nhl and i like how you said you know you're competing in practice you're competing in the weight room you're competing obviously during the game but that video was kind of oh that, that makes sense if you wake up every day even if you're playing minor hockey and you pretend like you're playing for the boston bruins and carry that professionalism maybe one day it'll happen do you, do you think that's true from, you know, looking on his end on, you know, the players coming up through the drill? If you can act and pretend like a pro and and have that mindset, do you think that eventually it could help your career? Not even in hockey, but just in life? Yeah, 100%. I, I gave a talk to a group of U13A Halifax Hawks kids on Saturday before uh, – it was Sunday, actually. You gave a talk to them. I got invited to go give a talk, and what I told them was you got to – um, you got to play instead of playing with your head and, and, and when you're in your head thinking about a game, you're, you, you're, you're typically acting out of fear. Like we got to win the game guys. What if we lose and you're thinking and then, and then you might be, you might point fingers at the referee or you'll, 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 you might point a finger at a teammate or think about but when you play with your heart, you think about, okay, I gotta, I gotta do better myself. And I told him a story when I was playing for the Manitoba Moose. I got we were on a bit of a, a losing streak. We had a good team, and it was about uh, two thirds of the way through the season. The trade deadline was just coming up, and we were on this losing streak, and it was uncharacteristic for us. We were a really good team, and I remember having a one-on-one meeting with my head coach Randy Carlisle, and he 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 said, "Joe, how do you think we're doing as a team?" And we were talking through some things, and I said, "Well, you know, this guy needs to do better." and I don't think this guy's really doing bringing his A game, and, the, and you know this other guy. I, I don't know about him either. 
And <clears throat> and he said, oh, hold on, hold on. He said, what about Joe DePenta? What could Joe DePenta do better? And I thought, um, you know, I don't know. And he said, well, let's put it this way. He says, if Joe DePenta could be 10% better next game, and then all of the other guys in the team can each be 10% better collectively, we are going to be a much better team. And and I think that's what I learned in that moment was you can't point the finger at other people. And I was acting out of fear. I was thinking, well, I don't want to get traded. I don't want to get cut. I don't want to, I, my, I, you know, I want, I want to win this year. I want to, I was thinking all these things out of fear. And when I started to, you know, bring it back to myself and think, okay, how can I be better for my teammate? What can I do better as a player that's, and just focus on me and for me to be 10% better, I can control that. And if, if I'm doing that and then the guy across from me is going to also going to focus on that, man, we're going to be a much better team. And I took that for the rest of the years in pro. I always focus on what can I do better instead of coming in the room and yelling at guys or, you know, like it's come in the room, I'm upset. What can I do that can, that can be better? And I think that's a lesson that if you can learn that early on in your career, you're going to take that. Not only you're not going to have, you're going to have more success in whatever you do. And when you start pointing the finger around, that's when you get into trouble and you, you start you know, losing, losing a sense of like, what can you actually control? And, mm. and it's all about living your life with a lot of heart and heart means that you don't live out of fear. You got to live out of, you got to do what you can do and control what you can control. And that's a big lesson. I love that. Is it hard? Do you think to give that message to the, to the younger age? Do you think that they could understand that message? I know Paul Mason has a lot of influence in that organization of helping kids get to that next level. Do, do you, do you think it's tough? I think it's it's a message that needs to be consistent, and okay. I think that is you know one thing that we do well within the Cole Harbor Minor Hockey Association is we consistently instill that message that this is a team game. It's not an individual game. It's not about the one-on-one uh, battles. It's about playing that team game and supporting each other and knowing where each other are going to be on the ice and just you know everything you practice put it into to use in that game and bringing your all to the rink and being ready to go and uh, leaving it all out there each and every game and i think if you're doing that then no matter what the result of that scoreboard is you know i look at the game against uh, france as a great example yeah we lost but we can honestly say we played our game we played a strong game mm. so you know do you point a finger and go oh this no no because at the end of the day, too, especially as parents and coaches, we got to look at it and go, these are kids. They're playing for the love of the game. They're playing for fun. And yes, you know, as parents in the stands, there can be emotion. We can bring all this stuff. But at the end of the day, it's about kids and playing for the love of the game. And you don't want to take that away from them. You know, and hear Joe talk about, you know, living the dream of, you know, being that Canadian kid that's getting to go out and on the ice and play his first NHL game and just have fun is the coach's advice yeah. to him. That's the most important thing at the end of the day because if you lose that fun aspect, all of a sudden now it's work. And if it's work, then you're maybe not as excited <laughs> to do it. Yeah, having a kid mentality in the NHL, that's a dream. Yeah, for sure. The pressures, though, of trying to win a cup, I couldn't imagine. How... I don't. I guess the question is: Was it tough for you to find? I don't want to say a role, but was it tough for you to find? Okay, how how am I gonna like you just said? How am I gonna help this team win a Stanley Cup? Because there are so many guys on that team. The the list like I listed it here: Salami, Niedermeyer, Chris Kunitz, Pronger, Getzlaff, Perry, Thornton, John Sebastian Daguerre. And it's like, okay, I know my role. I got to, I know how to win this Stanley Cup, but I just have to be consistent with it. Like, what, what, what was your mindset going through that year of winning a cup? 
because you know you must know early that the team's special. Well, the year so the year in 2005 and 2006 that season we were a last place team going into not last place we were not we were not a playoff team going into the Christmas break. So the first part of the year we were we were out of didn't we weren't uh, slotted to make the playoffs, and then um, our general manager Brian Burke made some key acquisitions. He moved some of our um, less they were not um, very like uh, tough players that were more of a skill guys like Fedorov and Peter Sikora. That he moved those guys and traded them, and he brought in some guys that were less skilled but had more grit. And just our, our talent in the room was, was probably less skilled after making these trades. Definitely less skilled. Really? And, but we had more of a chemistry. And then after Christmas, we were the second best team in the NHL, our record. So we ended up making the playoffs, sixth seed in our conference. So even though because we, we had such a poor start, we, we still scraped into the playoffs. And we went on a run and, and made the semifinals. Eventually, we fell short to Chris Pronger and the Edmonton Oilers. And they beat us in five games pretty easily. And they went on to, to go seven games with Carolina. But we learned, wow, we got really close, Final Four. And then in the offseason, traded, we traded for Chris Pronger. So we had to give up Joffrey Loopball. Which was, he was a 30-goal scorer for us and big offensive punch. But we added Chris Pronger. And now we were getting back Ketzlaff and Perry and Dustin Penner, who were going to be second-year pros. And so our team got markedly better. So the Hockey News said that the Anaheim Ducks are the team of destiny. Like there was a headline, Team of Destiny. And so Brian Burke came into the dressing room with the, with the hockey news, and it said, he said, um, boys, I got some good news. We're the Team of Destiny this year. Did you guys see this? And he was, he was going like this and you know, shaking the newspaper and the hockey news. And then we thought, okay, there must be something coming here. Uh, he, he's, gonna, he's, not, he's never this, this chipper. So, <laughs> so he said, yeah. He said, guess how many, how many years they've been correct over the last eight years in picking the winner. And you're like – I don't know, Berkey, how many? He goes, zero. They're 0 for 8. <laughs> <clears throat> so we, we, we kind of had a laugh. And then he, he went on to tell us that every team is now going to be targeting us. Um, every, no referees are going to give us any breaks because we're, we're a gritty team. And it's going to be hard for us to win. But what he instilled in us in that speech was that the expectation was that we were going to win the Stanley Cup. He, had the, he put the vision in our brains that we are expected to win the Stanley Cup. And if we don't, it's going to be a, a, a failure. So we expected the whole season that our, we were going to, we, we knew it would be hard. And only one person in the dressing room had ever won. And so we knew it was going to be hard, but it was definitely our expectation. And then when we played Ottawa in the finals, we absolutely had the belief that if we didn't win this series, it was going to be a total, we weren't just happy to be there. We were there for now. This is the last piece. We have to win this series. And it's funny when you're in the throes of the Stanley Cup, looking like when I was in the moment, it, it, it wasn't um, glamorous. Like, it's just like a game. Like, you were playing a game and you're with a group of guys you know very well. And there's all of this glamour in the stands and autographs afterwards. But you're very much just like a regular person playing this game. And, and that's the experience I had in the NHL. And I think all the guys, if you actually f live that and go through that, that's what it ends up being. You just, you have, you've got your family at home. You try to live a normal life as much as you can. You happen to go to the rink with 20,000 fans and you sign autographs afterwards and you get on a plane and you travel places. But at the end of the day, you're just a, you just end up being just a regular person playing this game. And that's what it felt like in the playoffs. The only time where I felt like the pressure was when I'd play in, in Ottawa with the fan, uh, the, 
the media and you'd have like 50 media in Anaheim. The beautiful thing is that there wasn't that many, there wasn't yeah. that much media. So it, it does, um, it, it is, um, it, it's a, it's a really great experience, but it, it, it was, it was something that, um, yeah, you, you, the pressure kind of just, you have to just manage it and, and, and get through it. But it was, it was a definitely a great run. Was it disbelief when you won? Was it like, this isn't real? Yeah, was, exactly. Yeah. That's how I felt when I, when I, that's how I described lifting the Stanley Cup. It felt like disbelief. I felt like, what, what, what like, am I really, is this really happening to me? Like, mm-hmm. you know, cause you, you play that, you play that final game and you're just, you just want to win and you're like, okay, and now it's over. And like, you're, you're, it's almost like you're numb. Like what, what's actually happening? Like all these, we just won the Stanley Cup. What does this mean? And and you lift the Stanley Cup, and it's like you you're just so overwhelmed with emotion. You just you don't know how to feel. Like I can't even describe it. It was almost like a disbelief. Wow. Yeah. Moments I'm sure that you'll cherish forever. You Definitely. Know, that's that that's unbelievable. The Canadian dream. First game to a Stanley Cup. You know, especially in Ottawa too, where the media is like you said, just ramped up. Not just Ottawa, just the Canadian media in general, just ramped up. It was night and day between Anaheim and Ottawa. Ottawa, every third car had a senator's flag on it. We were in a bus going to the rink, and this the people on the street recognized, not that the bus was labeled Anaheim Ducks, <laughs> but they saw it and realized it was the Anaheim Ducks, and they would they reacted like as if, like, you're not welcome here. And they, they had this, like, the city was like, oh, there's the enemy. And because they were so, they wanted to win so bad in Ottawa, I don't blame them. And we had to stay in Quebec, actually, because we couldn't find, like, a peaceful place in Ottawa. So we stayed off in Quebec where nobody would find us. But I remember going to the rink. I guess what gave it away is, now that I think about it, we had police escorts. So that was that was, that was was the reason why they were like, oh, that must be yeah. the end of the Ducks. Um, and uh, But, yeah, it was it was crazy. The, the dressing room in um, – I remember, like, I was a healthy scratch for the first three games of the finals. And I played all the other games, but I, there was there's a story with that. And I was out – but I, uh, the media came in when I got back in the lineup and said, Joe, uh, you know, I had all the, uh, the TSN and the mic in my face. And they were like, so you're back in the lineup tonight. Um, Chris Pronger's out. He's suspended. So how are you going to replace Chris Pronger? <laughs> and I, and I, I'm like, how do I answer that? I was like, I don't even remember what I said. I was just like, um, but I mean, it, like, obviously I'm not going to replace Chris Pronger. Like I'm like a, he's a hall of famer. I'm like, you know, just coming back in the lineup of the sixth defenseman on the team. And it was just so much pressure uh, that we didn't have in Anaheim. So it was, it was definitely night and day between Anaheim and, and, and Ottawa between in terms of the media, but it was a great when you got off the plane in Anaheim and you got in your car and you drove home and there wasn't one fan there or one media person or really? nobody there, um, you know, and you had two reporters all year that would follow the team around, that's it. You, it was just, it was like a break. There was like solace uh, when you were back home in Anaheim. You didn't have to deal with all of the, the distraction. That's what Nate said when they won the cup in Tampa. He's like, at home, there's just so much pressure. But when you're away, it's just like silence. That's what he said. He's just silence. It's just no one cares because you're away. No, your friends, no families there. No, it's just other people. Just whatever. Yeah, it's he's like you just need that pressure to go away a little bit, and then you're you can just play hockey. Mm-hmm. Same thing. Yeah, everyone at the Joe is gonna be like, "Why is I button here? We don't need media. What are you guys doing here? No, we gotta get gotta get away." After listening to that, <laughs> can't do interviews anymore. Yeah, sorry, we're guys. Done. Yeah, we're done. <laughs> no post game interviews. But no, that uh, that's a crazy story. That's insane. Yeah. That's uh, yeah, you're that's. You painted it well. Let's say that. How many times have you told that story? Do you think? Um, 
No, no, not too many. What? Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. That no, that's uh, when when you get the ring afterwards. Is that a special moment too, knowing that you can just have that for the rest of your life? Because obviously you got to give the cup back, but having the ring and you're wearing it today, you you know, having that that must be a almost like a family heirloom at this point. Yeah, for sure. Uh, we got it. So I got asked this on Saturday or Sunday, actually. The kids they said, you know, like when do you get the ring? Do you get it right after the game, and which you you know logically makes sense. But they have to actually make the ring. So you you get it uh, with our rings. Um, the story goes is that. Scott Niedermeyer and the owners sat down with the owners' children, who were the owners were big fans. But the owners were they didn't know a lot about hockey when they bought the team. They were actually looking to buy an NBA team because uh, Henry Samueli is a big basketball fan, and so he had he had, his company went public in in the early two thousands and he became a you know overnight billionaire, and so he they wanted to buy a sports team and. So when the Ducks came for sale, he's like, oh, well, you know, maybe all this is my... He couldn't get the Sacramento Kings to move south. So he said, let's buy the Disney, buy it from the Disney group. So he bought the Mighty Ducks, didn't know a lot about hockey. Second season, wins the Stanley Cup. And he's like, wow, this is easy, you know, yeah. win the Stanley Cup. <laughs> <laughs> and so they, they just said, uh, he went to the, the NHL and said, what, how do we do the ring? Like, tell us what to do. And he said, well, there's no standard for the ring. You, It's up to you how much you want to spend, how you want to design it. There are a handful of companies that will design it for you and build it. So it's all of the school ring companies like Jostens and Herf Jones and et cetera. And they're in the business of making championship rings. So they hired a designer and they hired a, a company. And so Scott sat down with them to kind of help help them design it because they didn't really know what to do. And and so they what they did is they put a lot of symbolism in the ring. So it's kind of cool. If you look up the ring online, you can see this, but it's got 110 diamonds in the ring, one for each point in the regular season. So the year that we, we won, we had 110 points, uh, 10 overtime losses, so 50 wins, 10 overtime losses. We were second best in the league. Uh, Detroit had 113 points. And then if you can see the Stanley Cup, the top of the cup here, there are 16 big diamonds in the Stanley Cup. Do you guys know why 16 is important in the playoffs? 16, 16 games wins, you got to get 16 wins. You got to win wins. four rounds, four wins per round. So the 16th win is represented with a big diamond at the top of the Stanley Cup. And then on the sides of the ring, they have some symbolism, symbolism as well. They put California's first cup. That was the first time the, an NHL team had ever won. And then, of course, the Kings won twice after us. But we, went, we were the first team. And that was also when Arnold Schwarzenegger was the governor. So Arnold was at the opening game in Anaheim, and he was also there at the Stanley Cup parade. He was very proud of us, and I got to meet a legend, Arnold Schwarzenegger. It was pretty cool. Um, 16 wins, five losses was the record in the playoffs. 2007 was year we won. And then on this side of the ring, player's last name, player's number, and then, of course, the Mighty Duck symbol. You have to put the Mighty Duck symbol on there to pay homage to the original logo. And then they put 93 was the first year the franchise came in the league. And then 07 was the year that, that we won the cup. And then all of the green diamonds represent a season in the NHL when the franchise was called the Mighty Ducks. And then the white diamond represents the sale of the team in 0405. And then two orange diamonds represent the new ownership taken over. So they put a lot of, wow. a lot of thought went into this. Wow. And then we had a, um, a saying during our playoff run that we started organically it's not like we Googled it and said, what's an inspirational saying? We actually created this from scratch. And, and it started off with T. Mussolini had this buzzword that he always said. And he had he had kind of broken English. 
and he he would and he had a funny accent, and so we would always tease him. And <laughs> Team Uslani would say, "Boys, we have to have passion." And we all would kind of look at each other like, "What's this guy talking about?" Like the whole season, he would say, "Boys, we need passion, passion." Got to play with passion. And we're like, okay, Timu, we get it. We get it. It's passion. We have to play with passion. And we'd all kind of joke about it. So then Timu, uh, Timu said this all the way through the season. Then Todd Marchant, one of our veteran players, he came in with a T-shirt, black shirt, and just said the word passion on it for the first round of the playoffs. And so we all thought that was pretty funny. And then so we won that round. So uh, Todd said, well, I'm going to add a word to it. And so because we were, we were the team of destiny by the Hockey News, he added the word destiny is passion. So we had this new shirt, Destiny's Passion. So we all laughed at that. And then we won that round and he created a new shirt. And he said, Destiny's Heart and Passion. <laughs> and then in the, the finals, he said, we've had a lot of sacrifice to get to this point. We've sacrificed a lot. It's been two months, lots of ups and downs, lots of emotion. So we added the word Destiny is Heart, Sacrifice and Passion. And then that's what's on the inside of the ring. That's awesome. That's very That's cool. full circle. Wow. That's great. That's unbelievable. Absolutely incredible. What a beautiful story and a beautiful memory. Like that's something that you'll have with you for the rest of your life. You'll never, you know, forget those moments in the locker room and those guys coming in and sharing those words of inspiration, et cetera. And now, you know, to be able to wear that whenever you want and to just reflect back on those memories and take you back to a special place. And I love important. how you said like you guys lost yeah. skill, but you have grit. Yeah. Like I love that. Oh, amazing. Amazing. So, uh, Great bridge moment. Mm. We're doing championship rings uh, for uh, the winners of the Joe this oh, year. Oh, are you? Yeah. We've, uh, there, there's no diamonds in them. Okay. Oh, well, <laughs> budget got set back a bit this year, eh? Budget got yeah, set back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's but, awesome. Uh, yeah, no, we're doing championship rings. I think it's going to be uh, pretty cool. You know, the, there's all kinds of hockey trophies out there, medals out there, and all that stuff. And I said... You know, what's something different we can do that the kids are going to like, that your kids are going to enjoy? And, you know, it's that thing that you could take to show and tell me, like, look what we won. Yeah. And uh, so I'm, I'm excited for the kids to see them when they uh, when we get them for the first time. I've seen the proofs, and uh, I think they're uh, they're going to be pretty special. And I think the, the kids are going to love uh, receiving them uh, when they win the championships at That's the tournament. Awesome. Yeah. You guys are great at, like, adding those little bit of extra – I guess, memorabilia moments for the kids. I know we're, with the mic'd up videos, you made those hoodies for the kids, the, the rings. Yeah. And I know, Paul, uh, every time they someone wins at the shootout, they get a picture with Sid in the in the cutout there. Like There's yeah. just little things that you guys do really well to make sure that the kids have a good time. It's cool. Yeah, a- absolutely. Like at, at the end of the day, it's about the experience because not every kid is going to have the opportunity to play in the NHL and live out that dream. But every one of them that steps on that ice in the back of their mind, they're like, maybe someday there's an opportunity, there's a chance that I am going to get there. But if you can make them feel as great as Joe felt when he lifted the Stanley Cup for the first time, or Nate or Sid, it, it doesn't make a difference. It's just seeing the joy, seeing the pride on their face uh, and experiencing that moment and living in that moment like it's the biggest game they've ever won in their life. And, you know, if we can make that as special as possible for them, we're going to. It's going to be awesome. Yeah. What, what's on the agenda from now until the time the tournament starts? <laughs> I guess that's maybe not a fair question, but what, what, what do you have to do? Uh, well, I've got to put in uh, another uh, four solid days of work. Okay. Uh, yeah, and then uh, then it's a vacay mode for, for next week and really, truly live and breathe at the rink. But, you know, right now it's the devil's in the details. And, you know, we, we had a committee meeting last night and – 
it was funny. We were supposed to meet in one of my committee members' houses because we thought, oh, we're going to have to fill out game sheets. We're going to have to stuff uh, player to the game things. We're going to have to do this. We're going to have to do that and have all these things. We're going to make it a family event and bring the kids over to help with it like we did last year. We don't have any of that to do this year because just different things that we're doing in the tournament. The game sheets are all pre-filled out. We just have to print them. Yeah. Like, And we're using uh, Gray J, yeah, plug for Chad Trenholm, uh, another Cole Harbor guy. We brought our website local, working with uh, Chad and the Gray J team now. So live scoring, et cetera, will be all on the website. Just additional cool features that we can add, especially for the teams that are coming in from away. Um, but allows us to print off paper game sheets with pre-populated rosters and this is the home team this is the away team like the only thing we got to do is sort them into okay this is march 11th this is march 12th this is march 13th which really at the end of the day is not going to take a whole lot of time so you know we're sitting down last night and we said okay four o'clock we're meeting at six we said yeah we don't need to go uh to joanna's house let's just go to north brewing so a couple of the committee members show up at North Brewing. Of course, I'm running late, uh, <laughs> as per usual, because I'm buried in something in front of the computer, just trying to, you know, make sure I got this, make sure I got that. My agenda set for the meeting. Stop to get gas. Phone rings while I'm getting gas, and it's like, uh, North is closed. Oh. So move down the road, go into big leagues, which we probably have 85% of our Our first meeting was at big leagues. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. It's it, it's our go-to spot. You, know. you so, frequent. Yeah. It's the neighborhood pub, right? Yeah. It's the sports bar. You, you, you got to do the meetings at big leagues. It was almost destiny in that way that we ended up there, right? So anyway, we sat down there last night and we were talking about it. And we were going, you know, we're kind of reviewing the things we need to do, like the hospitality suite needs to be set up. We've got bannering to do. We've got this. We've got that. Just little things like this. And, you know, at the end of the day, one of my committee members said, it's kind of like getting married, isn't it? <laughs> I'm like, what do you mean? They're like, well, you know, when you got married and you, you had this plan and this plan and this dance is going to happen and this is going to happen and you're thinking about all these things and it's all the details, but the only people that know about it is you and your wife and to everybody else. They don't see it, and it doesn't matter if it doesn't happen. Yeah. So just take a breath, relax, breathe, enjoy the moment, and the tournament's going to happen regardless. At the end of the day, the most important thing we can do is drop a puck. And that, at the end of the day, is the most important thing we got to do is at 8 o'clock on Saturday morning, drop that first puck and get the games underway. Yeah, and then the fun starts. Then the fun starts. No, that's yeah. good stuff. No, oh, yeah. We can't wait. Like yeah. I was saying to Jeff earlier, it's the worst week before. Yeah. You, know, you just got to sit here and wait. It, it, and this year has been different because last year, because of the COVID situation last year, we got a green light three weeks before the tournament started. It's a little rough. And it was a whirlwind. We had met all year planning for it and, you know, is it going to happen? Is it not going to happen? And then three weeks, it was just, okay, it's a go. We need to do this. And it was hyperspeed, and you were so focused on getting everything ready. But this year, because we've known it's going to happen, there's not been any of this balls in the air, like, oh, is it going to come through? Is it not going to come through? It was just, okay, like, we're, we're set. We're ready. We're well prepared. 
we just need the teams to get here now and play some hockey. And yeah. that that's the most important thing at the end of the day. I can't wait to see the kids coming into the rink and, you know, and getting to experience all the special moments that are going to be part of it. Like we've got um, hoodies that are going to be available for sale at Cole Harbor Place. Uh, we've partnered with a local photographer, Eddie Schwartz uh, Photography, uh, that is going to come in and do team photos in all the locker rooms ahead of uh, teams' games. And they'll be available for sale uh, for the fans. They're going to do um, action photo shoots, you know, working with you guys to do the mic'd up um, videos and doing the customized hoodies for it. Uh, Joe has graciously agreed to give an hour and a half of his time uh, next Saturday to come in at Cole Harbor Place and uh, spend some time uh, taking some pictures with the kids, uh, signing autographs, you know, telling some stories and, uh, you know, showing off the, the cup ring and all the, uh, the the meaning behind it. And I'm sure uh, a lot of questions will be asked now after hearing the story today on the podcast. So, <laughs> you know, little things like that. Uh, you know, Paul sat here last year and talked about uh, the March break dance and, you know, how fun that used to be. And, you know, that got in my head last year. So on Friday, March 17th, Cole Harbor Place, 8 o'clock, uh, we have uh, a local band called the Pistol Pack and Papas from uh, Pinto County uh, coming in um, and, uh, and playing Cole Harbor Place from 8 to midnight. Um, it should be a great time. Um, the lead singer is a good friend of mine personally. Uh, I think he's played about four or five parent parties in my house. Um, and I don't think any one of them has ended before five o'clock in the morning. Oh, so, wow. yeah, it's uh, it, he just knows how to get the crowd going and, uh, and keep the party going. So I think that the line on the uh, on the poster for uh, the dance is uh, keep your feet stamp- stomping to well after midnight. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I can't wait. Because yeah. last year the dance didn't happen, right? Cause yeah, we, yeah, well, it, it, it was just... I never even knew until yeah, last weeks. year yeah, yeah, yeah. that uh, that there had been a dance as part yeah. of the uh, the tournament in the past, and Paul brought that up. So you know, you talk about the history and traditions. So it's kind of taking that that history of the tournament that this used to be a big part of it and bringing that tradition back this year as part of the 40th. So it's it's special. We're excited for it. Awesome. Well, I can't wait. It's going to be a lot of fun, a lot of work. Yeah, but it's going to be all worth it, and going to make some memories for the kids. Absolutely, one hundred percent. I think I want to ask Joe a question, and I I happened to ride the coattails of a couple of friends and uh, got to uh, be part of your uh, Stanley Cup uh, celebration uh, back home here. Uh, I was at the Canard Center in uh, in uh, downtown Halifax, but that day with the cup at home, yeah. Uh, what did you do, and what was uh, the most special memory of that uh, for you? So it was a big day, like a wedding. Like a, <laughs> <laughs> I think I took like, two, I don't know how many thousands of pictures and everyone wants a picture with me and the Stanley Cup. Um, so it felt like a wedding in that sense, but um, it was a great day. We, we had a, a, a planning committee, a part, like a, a professional group that came together and planned the day. So they, they hooked up with ambassadors who actually happened to know them well. I met with them last week, actually, but it's funny how full circle that goes. I uh, didn't know them back then, but they, they made the connection with Ambassadors, and they had us a bus. So all 30 of our family and friends piled onto this bus at Quiet Place at 6 a.m., and we were able to take that around the city and to all the different stops so we didn't have, like, 10 cars yeah. trying to find parking and just created a really um, easy way to get around the city. So we started off with an IWK visit which was fun. We used to do that when I played for the Mooseheads. So we went and visited the kids of the IWK, took the cup there, which was really special. And then we went to Dartmouth Crossing. Dartmouth Crossing actually was a sponsor of the day. So they actually gave us the funding to pay for everything else we did, which was fantastic. And we did like a public event. Dartmouth Crossing was new at the time. This was 15 years ago. 
so they were looking to promote it and so we had all of these and the company took care of like getting the sponsorships and all that stuff so i was like great sounds good and so we took the cop there and then we had like a couple hours um it was cool at that event i got to reconnect with uh, uh, a fan that when i played for the mooseheads there was this little girl who had leukemia and she was she was um uh, at, at went used to, she was at the hospital that I became when I played for the Mooseheads and I got to know her and then she would come to our games and then I lost touch with her after I uh, turned pro and then seven years later here I met Dartmouth Crossing and I just done this interview and somebody came over these couple girls started approaching me and I'm like oh this thing this, I got the weird feeling like and she said hi Joe do you remember me and I remember thinking I looked at her and like I don't know if you've ever had somebody ask you that question if you don't you can they can read your face like mm-hmm. if you don't if you don't know who they are they can tell right away so i'm like that's a pretty pressured question because then they're like do you remember me it's like i've had people ask me that and i didn't and they were mad at me and i'm like okay um she asked me and i said i said jessica and she said yeah i'm all better now and it was a very powerful moment yeah. so i had moments like that throughout the day then i went to choir place or actually went to Caldwell road school where i went to elementary school and we started a parade and then I grew up on uh, off of Cherrywood and Evelynwood, and so we we did a detour up uh, up to my street, and all of my neighbors came out from their front lawns and saw the parade go by, and where I played street hockey, it was a very emotional through my by my family house, and then we went to Choir Place. The keeper of the cup said, uh, he said, Joe, I've never seen this many people at a Stanley Cup parade before. And we had about two or three thousand people. Wow. So two years later. 60,000 people at Sid's Parade. <laughs> <laughs> they just had to outdo you. Yeah, yeah. But at that time, two or 3,000 people was a lot of people in his eyes. And he had been to all of the Stanley Cup parties across uh, across Europe and everywhere. So it was a really fun day. Uh, Collier Place for a while. And then we went to my grandma's nursing home. Then we went to the Canard Center for a big party. And then after the, after the Canard Center was over, I think it was about 2,000 pictures deep into, uh, into the day. Um, lots of smiles. I think my, my, had a permanent smile on. And then we, uh, I had just my small group of uh, friends go to the hotel, the Westin, rented a suite and we partied with it till about 6am. So it was a fun, fun time. That's yeah. awesome. You did That's it right. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. You did it the right uh, way. A hundred percent. And, you know, bringing that close group of friends together at the end of it, you know, these are the guys that have been with me, you know, the, the entire time. And that's, that's special too, is just to have that moment with them and be able to share it with them. I know uh, Pat talks about uh, being at that event and, you know, just, uh, you know, being part of that day and how proud he was of you and so excited to be part of it, et cetera. And, you know, it's, it's sharing that success with the community and with that friend group and all of that as well, that is so special. And, you know, you talk about the, uh, the connection with the, the fan there that, uh, you know, had the leukemia and, you know, then years later you went on to work for the leukemia and lymphoma society and help share and spread their message. So, you know, obviously a lot of influences in your life that are, uh, that are incredible. Yeah, no, thanks Jeff. Yeah, it was, that, that was uh, definitely a connection that moved me in that direction to, towards leukemia and lymphoma society. And it was a big part of my, after my, my career was over, I, I did work with, with them for about six years, and that definitely was a big influence. And so, um, Pat, interesting, Pat McEwen is one of my best friends. Um, he, he always tells this story of one of the coolest things for him, kind of being my friend throughout this journey, was uh, when we had when we won the Stanley Cup, you know, it was on CBC, you get the, you remember this, you've seen it every year where they celebrate on the ice and they do interviews and everything. 
Well, I got my cell phone and I called my my grandmother and my sisters and then I called my, my called Pat and my other best friends and and so I'm on my cell phone on the ice while we're celebrating and they were like, "Go stand behind Ron McLean right now." And I'd go stand behind Ron McLean and I'd wave to my buddies on the TV and he, he thought that he always tells that story. That was one of the coolest parts of He was the puppet master. Yeah, being, being on the journey with me. So that's incredible. That, that is incredible. That is incredible. I know your time's getting short this morning. You like myself have to get to work and uh, put our day jobs in. But uh you know, for the kids that are going to take part in the tournament this weekend, your own daughter that's going on to provincials, I don't think uh, Jenny's team, unfortunately, I don't think is going to make it to provincials, and uh, Brighton's team is uh, not either. But, you know, what's the message for these kids uh, coming into the tournament and, uh, you know, as they're going to provincials or wherever their next game is? You know, what's the one thing you want to instill in them and leave with them? I would say do everything you can to try to win. Winning is fun. Uh, it's not the, the – it's, it's, it's part of the game, but it's not to be understated. It's the – it's fun to win and, and, and do your best to win. But to, in order to do that, you have to play with your heart. It means you have to think, what can I do better for my teammates? And the yeah. team that does that at the end of the day will be the champion. The team that says, I, I, I can be better and everybody on my team can be better. And they all come together with that, that same energy. That's the team that will be the champion at the end of the day. And because it's selfless, you have to do what you're doing for your teammates and, and go out there and play with your heart. And when you do that, you get rewarded. And so that's what I would say. Do play with your heart and aim to win. It's fun and that's what it's all about. And 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 if you and if it doesn't work out, you can still be in terms of winning, you can still be proud of how you played and how your team played and then you'll still feel good. And that's that's what I would just encourage encourage the everybody, the girls and the boys when they're playing this weekend, just go out and have some fun. Awesome. Awesome. Thanks so much, Joe. That's awesome. Incredible. Really appreciate you uh, taking the time out of your schedule to come in today and very appreciative of uh, the time that you're going to give us on the 18th as well. Uh, that's going to be from 11 a.m. to 12.30 p.m. at Cola Harbor Place. Uh, he'll be upstairs uh, just outside of Scotia 1 uh, near his uh, display case of uh, Joe DePanja memorabilia from his time uh, with the Mooseheads and uh, with the Ducks. It's awesome. Well, we look forward to it. It's going to be a great weekend. Is there anything else you want to promote maybe to everyone listening? Anything else? You know, well, you know what? I, I did uh, you know, I mentioned a couple of things. Um, we have autographed uh, Sidney Crosby and Nathan McKinnon uh, jerseys that uh, we're going to do a raffle draw on as part of the tournament. Uh, so $20 a ticket. We're only going to sell 750 tickets, uh, 250 tickets per segment of the tournament. So they are going to be extremely limited. Uh, so, you know, your first day at the tournament, get over to Carroll Harbor Place and uh, and make sure that uh, you pick up one of those tickets for an opportunity to win. Uh, we'll do the draw on the last day of the tournament right ahead of the uh, the final championship game. Um, don't worry if you're already gone out of town. We'll make sure that we uh, we ship that out to you. Uh, there's still a few uh, mic'd up high button uh, sports uh, uh, opportunities that are available so uh, reach out to me uh, via email the joe chair at gmail.com um, and for those that are going to be around on friday march 17th apparently it's uh, some big party day i don't know uh, st patrick's day or something <laughs> like that i'm not too familiar with Never that heard myself it. no me neither uh, <laughs> but uh, you know we're we're going to have a big party that night at uh, cole harbor place uh, tickets are on sale now at uh, palmation shop at uh, cole harbor place top shelf uh, stop in there uh, pick up your 
your ticket. Uh, they're $20 in advance. They're going to be $25 at the door. And uh, let's do a little contest on uh, on the, the website or on the social feeds, whatever you guys want to do. Uh, I'll leave you with a pair of tickets, and uh, we'll do a random draw for uh, a comment, like, share kind of idea. I'll leave you guys, uh, your guys' as web geniuses <laughs> to figure that out. But uh, we'll give away a pair of tickets to the event as well. Sounds good. All right, everyone listening, Joe, once again, thank you very much for coming in. I appreciate your time. Jeff, as always. It's uh, a pleasure. Um, everyone enjoy the week. Have fun. Work hard. We'll see you in Cole Harbor this weekend. We're out. So I-